Hey, everybody, before we get to this week's episode, I just want to remind you we are streaming on demand only on Merkel.media, the film The Shape of Shadows that we newly minted for you. If you want to watch that film or even Expedition Dogman, you can get both those things right on Merkel.media. Just hit the stream now button and you'll be good to go. All right, let's get to this week's show. Merkel Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling it. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. 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 to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me, but definitely get a hold of me because, hey, you never know. If you email the show, your episode might turn into an entire film on a documentary because that's what we do these days. We just shoot documentaries based off of scenes that have been talked about on this show. If you want to hear more of this show, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member because members get episodes every Thursday exclusive to them on the website and on the Confessionals members app. You also get access to Tuesday shows ad-free and overtime segments of those Tuesday shows when they're available. So if you want that good, good, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com slash join. And speaking of technology today, because we have an episode where we have somebody named Mark Fiorentino coming on today to talk about how he is working on a technology that will actually operate faster than the speed of light. He's discovered a math equation. He talks about the Philadelphia experiment, or I kind of bring it up, uh, government portals and time travel. This guy is a fascinating person. And because we're talking about all this high-tech stuff, let's talk about EMPShield.com. They are a sponsor for this show. If you want to protect your home and your vehicles from an EMP blast, 
whether it's a solar flare or nefarious means, you want to go to EMPShield.com and get their devices and use coupon code TONY for $50 off of every device you get on that website. So with all that said, let's get to Mark Fiorentino right now. Today, we got Mark Fiorentino on the show. How are you, sir? Fine, thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. Uh, you're an interesting guy, man. I, I see here. So your people emailed my people and scheduled this whole thing out. And uh, this was something that I was really looking forward to because I felt like I was going to be getting involved in a, 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 a science-y conversation. And after talking with you, I'm like, yep, this is going to be fun because you were talking about different theories and you know, probably some things that we probably won't even hit on here because you were talking about some future work that you're going to be working on. Uh, but you know, if you want to talk about it, we could talk about it. But I'm very interested in all this stuff. Uh, so what I'm going to do is kind of hand it over to you and let people know about you and your work. Uh, you've written the book, Master of Reality. And uh, if you could kind of let people know where they can find that book, what it's about, and uh, we can get this whole thing kicked off right by promoting you and your work. Okay. Well, uh, you can go to my website, www.super-relativity.com, super-relativity.com, and all the links to Amazon or to buy a book uh, from me directly are there links to my YouTube and um, links to my papers on, uh, on ResearchGate. All that's all there, ready to go, all in one spot. And I have a blog with some, some interesting topics that I wrote about. And so that's the place to start. And then you can go to YouTube and see this show or other shows that I have. So Master of Reality, this book that, that you have out, uh, give us a synopsis of what 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 is what's about. I mean, what's the genesis of this book for you? Well, it started when I retired. I said I need something to do, and vaguely in the back of my mind, it said someday I was going to do something really important. All these psychics said. So I said the only idea I have left, invention wise or otherwise, is the theory of super relativity, which I started in 1993 after I made a discovery in mathematics, and that convinced me I had a shot to figure out the unified field theory. So on my first day of retirement, January 2nd, I started writing the book. Four years later, I completed it, and it's basically a book about a theory of everything, and and it concerns reality. It's a reality model. It's how the universe physically works. So I'm a metaphysician. I, I looked at the nature of things, and that includes the physics and mechanics of matter and energy and forces, uh, as well as creation. Went back and, and worked out wh- how I think the creation happened. That's in the book. And uh, other fun things like stargates and portals and 
anti-gravity technology. And of course, very, very most important one is um, faster than light technology uh, and the uh, creation of the slip wave, which is something I'm working on right now mathematically, the mathematical model that I'm going to make available in a program so that others can design uh, your basic lifter starship type of, of device. So that's basically what the book is about. So there's many topics, time, UFOs, uh, but it, they're all connected. So this book just kind of streams along through all those things, connecting the dots and, and demonstrating how all of this is related to unified field theory, paranormal, guardian angels, spirit guides, um, everything. We are here. We incarnate all of us with help with spirit guides and such. So there's not that much of that in this book. Probably will be in my biography when that gets written at some point. I stick pretty much to the science and the physics and the metaphysics in my book. Man. Well, the fact that you say you stick to the science in your book and you're talking to me about stargates and portals, I was like, now I know why everybody, like, I know why we're here because I, you said the key word, Stargate and portals. I'm just like, oh, here we go. Love it. Uh, what, what are we talking about here when it comes to Stargates and portals? It, I, I listen, I, okay. like, like the Stargate, uh, the story is going to get, <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. the story is going to get strange and bizarre, but it's, it's exactly what happened. I did not plan to have Stargates and portals in my book. One year before I completed the book, a little, a year, a little year, a year and a half, somewhere in there, I, I had an emergency situation where I thought I might have been contracting rabies. And if you know about rabies, it's 99.99% fatal. Nobody survives. And so uh, it was an odd situation how I thought I, I didn't actually get bit or scratched some fluid from a bat that I was washing, a thing that I had trapped manually had splashed near my eye. And I thought, oh, my God, if it's got the fluid from the, the germs, you can get it through your eye. And I read in the Internet that you can't get it that way. So I'm in a panic. I'm calling uh, people up and I'm saying, help me, health, health department, give me the shot, give me the shot. And they said, no, you're probably all right. Don't worry about it. And I made the mistake of letting the bat go. I should have kept it and should have had it tested. But I let it go, and then there was no way to test it. And um, I was in a panic because they wouldn't give me the shot. So I, I the, the last thing I could think of was I, in Times in the past when I've had these kind of uh, unusual problems, I go to a, a good medium, a psychic medium, because they can talk to the other side. And when you talk to the other side, they have access to future, past, everything, all the knowledge, no matter who you're talking to. Once you go on to the other side, they're connected to God. So the information you get, what you, whatever you get is from the source. So I went there and I found this lady in North Carolina, Tamara Richardson, and connected in. And she's an evidential medium. So she gives evidence that you really are talking to the other side. My parents came through and I was able to talk to them. And uh, this is how I got to the point of 
of writing about Stargates. And st- in the process, which went three hours, this this interview went three hours, connecting to all kinds of people. It wasn't just my parents. They did a, a kind of a connection where, as, as a group, as, I don't know what the word, a matrix of a group. Uh, they're all connected on the other side. And they informed me that the book I was writing on was vitally important. And the theory I had was correct. And uh, that surprised me because that's not why I was calling. <laughs> I really was calling to make sure I didn't have rabies. And she confirmed that I didn't. So, I, you know, finally I could rest because I was a nervous wreck. But in that process, all this other stuff comes up the book that I'm writing on, they asked me, they says, you need to write about portals because they already have them. The government has already got them and they're using them for time travel, but they're not very good about it. They're not very good at it. And so I had to do while writing, but I had to research portals and, and she gave me some keywords that actually checked out. And one of them was fractal lenses. I never, I'm, I'm studying physics left and right. I never heard of a fractal lens. Turns out it's a metamaterial. Well, that has to go into the framework of the Stargate. And, and once I got that, using that and studying, I knew that you would have to, in order to build a Stargate, you would have to have a framework made of a metamaterial. And the fractal lenses is that metamaterial material and one of the unique properties of a metamaterial in this case is if you shine a laser beam into it it will accelerate to an infinite speed if the metamaterial drops permittivity and permeability within that material to zero which means there's an equation that from James Clerk Maxwell that says, see, the speed of light equals one over the square root of permittivity times permeability. These are properties of space. Uh, if you can reduce those, drop them to zero, the speed of light goes infinitely fast, which I knew is what the Stargate is going to need to in order to accelerate the photons beyond the speed of light so they compress. And you cause a resonant frequency all around the framework at a super high frequency and energy. And this opens the portal to any time. So you tune it to the frequency to where in time or space you want to be. That technology and the details of how that works, I don't know. But I know you need this framework, and I know that basic part, uh, which would be the design. So that's how I got into writing about portals. I was told to by the source, the other side. If you want to know how something works, always go to the creator of that something and ask them. That's what I did at IBM. That's what I've done in troubleshooting all my life. I go to the guy that created the electronic card assembly or software, and I get the lowdown on how it works. In this case, in order to understand reality, I says, I know mediums are for real. There's some fakes out there, but there are real ones. And they provided evidence that has convinced me beyond any shadow of a doubt, there's an afterlife and your parents and your family and friends live and survive. And you can communicate with them and get information like I did. And um, they said, write it on Stargates. You need to get this out there. So that's how that, that particular chapter got in the book. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I, pretty I, strange, isn't it? I, no, I love it. I love this. And uh, okay, I want to ask you a question that is almost should have been asked in the very, very beginning, but uh, Mr. Fiorentino. Who the heck are you? So, like, this is amazing. So, I, I, so you, you used to work for IBM, and you worked within Correct. the uh, the the tech industry, uh, right? So, you have a, a very technical, technologically driven mindset, and uh, the fact that you're talking about this stuff it, it is mind blowing, and I and I love it. Uh, so what you're describing, do you think that CERN is that? Do you think that's what CERN is, a Stargate? Um, I, I, I don't think it's a Stargate. You know, if it is, they've kept it a really good secret. You know, of course, I've studied CERN and, you know, what they do there and their, their type of business. And they're really in the particle interaction business, colliding particles to get they've set up their own system. You know, you get a Nobel Prize if you find a new particle. So everybody's mo motivated to find particles so they can have their champagne party, pays the bills. It's a whole system based on, we built this thing to find particles. And if we find particles, we celebrate and we get rewards and awards. And, and so the whole system is in place basically to find particles, whether we, you know, they're, they're not really relevant if they're not stable and 90 something percent of them decay within a, a fraction of a second, who cares about these collisions and these particles? What we should be concentrating on are the particles that are stable, neutrons, protons, photons, electrons, and so forth. Uh, so CERN to me, uh, the knowledge that I have, there is nothing going on there like like that. But that doesn't mean that, that it's not. I'm just not aware of it. I, I don't have any deep connections to CERN or, or any of those physicists uh, other than I've written them a few times asking them questions. And sometimes they answer and sometimes they don't. But uh, uh, I know that you, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about, you know, CERN and 666 and... Who knows? All, all, from my perspective, I would say the physicists have been corrupted by money and CERN is just a way of life for physicists, theoretical particle physicists. It's what they do to earn a living. Mm. So I have uh, been in communication with a, uh, a professor out of, I believe, Chicago. Uh, he, was in, he was one of the authors... Uh, this there's a book that came out that circulates around CERN, but they're all fictional stories. And it was actually put out by, I forget what it's called. My wife has it. Uh, but it was actually published by scientists from CERN and other people throughout the world. It's like a collaboration effort of uh, coming out with a fictional book. It, it, it's To me, it, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand why you're wasting your time coming out with a quote-unquote fictional book. Uh, but... <laughs> The the one person involved in one of the stories he said uh, he he suggested about the, this idea of another realm and and actively participating in that other realm uh, through such things of like portals and entryways gateways and uh, he is a, a professor at a college here in the United States and so I reached out to him 
and asked him if he would be willing to talk to me about the idea. And I, I referenced what I was talking about. And he he wanted to make sure he was like, I want to I want to stress to you that I do not believe this is real. It is just a theory. And I was like, oh, no, I understand, but I still want to talk to you. And he said he would come on my show to talk to me. So uh, I've, I've been kind of dragging my feet on that. And I, I don't know why other than I'm, I feel insecure to talk to somebody that's so smart. Uh, but uh, he, he's going to say something. I'm like, I don't understand what you just said to me. So next question, you know? <laughs> so. Well, you know, portals and stargates and things, you have to realize it's a very unfamiliar technology because you're dealing in the area where you're biasing space space itself, the continuum, in a very special way to allow a connection to some other realm, some other time. Uh, and the, the history of this type of technology really starts back in the 60s and 70s with um, the Philadelphia experiment, which was a magnetic resonant um, stargate that they kind of opened up, and Montauk after that maybe as well. Um, where, and again, it was magnetic resonant fields, which are the predecessor to the modern day one that supposedly uses lasers and high frequency sound and combination to generate the gateway, the opening. And I'm sure there is a way to do it. And I would love to see it personally. Um, but, uh, all I did was write my speculation based on what what little I know about that as to how it would be built and what it was capable of doing. Uh, I am personally am against time travel going back in time, especially. Maybe not so much going forward in time, but back in time, I don't think we should mess with what has already happened. It's just too risky in too many ways. Do you think? Do you think that the government has done that? Well, so I've been told from my connection on the other side, um, they claim they have been doing it quite regularly. So the Project Looking Glass or whatever, there's something going on there. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm in the same boat as everybody else there when these people come forward and make these claims and such. Uh, my claim or my connection to it was from talking with, a medium who was talking with people on the other side that says, and one of them was Einstein, uh, who says, yeah, they're doing this, they're bad at it, and somebody needs to start talking about it. Because my main goal here is really to combine religion and science back together uh, under one umbrella, hmm. uh, really with religion being the top of the umbrella, the very tip. And science is just a part of of what it happens from the creator. So Stargates, all this stuff is part of the design. Uh, we have been given this ability to manipulate time and space in order to have the, the luxury and then maybe the necessity of being able to travel to different areas of the universe like that or, or different times. Um, but something, uh, like I said, the past, I, I don't like that idea because that's people trying to change things to a, a reality that they think would be better. And it, I doubt that it is. I mean, maybe that's why the world is so weird the way it is right now, you know? 
Uh, they're like, oh, let's push this button. And it's, oh, crap, that was the wrong one. Yeah, the Mandela effect may be explaining the tamperings with time and, and that there's certain things people remember that now no longer actually happened. Uh, one of which is Mandela dying sooner than he actually did. Yeah. Which I got to admit, I remember that too. And it's odd that all of a sudden he's not really died when I thought he did. He's died way later. And I said, oh, I don't remember that happening like that. <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Who knows? It, it's wild that you bring that up too, because I, it, of all places, I wouldn't have expected this to happen. I uh, This past week, I was at church and there was this guest speaker or guest uh, pastor coming in to, to speak. And I was introduced to him. And they, every time I, like my pastor's is like, this is what he does for me. Like, oh man, you got, you know, like blow my cover kind of thing. But, uh, the, the guy, he goes to me, he goes, oh, I'm fascinated by that stuff. What do you think about Mandela effect? I'm just like, I wasn't expecting to talk about this today, you know, but, uh, you brought up, uh, the Philadelphia experiment, right? And, uh, First of all, I, I think that there, and you might think differently, so I'd be very interested if you do, but I, I do think that there's a difference between uh, teleportation in the sense of here one minute go, and at another place and the next and time travel. I think there's a difference there from what I understand. Do you think there's a difference there? Because the Philadelphia experiment is something that like, you know, a lot of people say it wasn't real. My uncle, who spent his entire career in the Navy, I had him on the show years ago, and he laughed at me when I asked him about it. I was like, bro, we're on a paranormal show. What do you think? I'm going you know, to ask this question. Yeah. But uh, right. I personally think that there's at least some truth to it. I mean, what are your thoughts on all that? Still October, and the holiday season is approaching rapidly. Before the whirlwind of holiday activities takes over, consider safeguarding your home with Simply Safe Home Security. You can acquire a brand new security system today at a 40% discount. I've been using Simply Safe since Pennsylvania and still rely on it here in Tennessee. It's great for my family as it's affordable and easy to set up. It's always working in the background to protect us 24 7. If you're seeking a hassle free, set it and forget it solution that's consistently reliable. Simply Safe is the ideal choice, and that's why I'm a big fan. Simply Safe offers comprehensive protection for your entire home, equipped with advanced sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. Additionally, it includes high definition cameras for both interior and exterior surveillance. The system is backed by 24 seven professional monitoring, all for less than $1 per day, which is half the cost of traditional home security services. Furthermore, your satisfaction is guaranteed with Simply Safe's money back guarantee. You can try Simply Safe risk free for 60 days. And if you don't love it, simply return your system for a full refund. For a limited time, save 40% on any new system with a fast protect plan. Visit simplysafe.com slash confessionals. That's simplysafe.com slash confessionals. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Yeah, the, there's the Stargate can be dimensional. You go to other dimensions, you go to other times, or you go to other physical locations in this universe or any other universe. Mm. And so there has to be some sort of working mechanism in probably supercomputer controlled that 
somehow you would have to have some math to to coupling math to the to explain how space is affecting so that you break into these portals and then you know once you do it then you can start changing the frequency and the energy levels and stuff and see what happens and then from that build a script that okay if we do this frequency at this energy we'll get a time distortion of this and it'll open a gateway to this time and, and so those details apparently the government has worked out to some degree maybe from reverse engineering what aliens have uh, ets have done i'm sure they have this interdimensional uh stargate technology because it's a way more efficient way than doing the entry level uh stargate on the entry level faster than light technology that i'm working on the stargate technology is just pretty much instantaneous so if you want to go to a different place in the universe you just dial it up and you the portal opens and the other side is at the other place it's like a direct immediate you pass through it you're there and i've heard that they're you know advanced alien technologies they're they're not just thousands of years ahead of us they're millions of you can you imagine what our technology will be in 10 million years from now look at in the last hundred years how fast it's grown mm -hmm. uh in 10 million years or whatever they're we're gonna have this kind of technology for sure and it's it's above even what my imagination can can come up with to some degree. I got the basics of how it works and how it has to work. And, and that there's two different ways, the magnetic resonant field, which is weaker and more primitive, and then the more advanced model with the accelerated particle being the light beam coming out of the framework. Um, I don't know how they... Uh, dodged the gamma ray problem but that's something that must have worked out that's cool. but uh <clears throat> now they may be accelerating it so far beyond that frequency that there isn't gamma rays but um because you don't want to get cooked going through the <laughs> the stargate um so maybe they use it, it converts it to neutrinos somehow they're it's a fascinating technology and something fun to think about for sure. Yeah. And I would like to be approached sometimes because of being on these shows and writing these books, I get contacted by people that claim that they time travel and they'll spend hours talking to me. And these are not guys that are on Stephen Greer or anything. This guy, <laughs> one guy that I got, I got it on tape. I haven't, I haven't really decided to upload it yet because I'm still trying to figure out if it was real or not. Uh, but I got to tell you, his story was consistent, very similar to a lot of the other time travelers' stories. I've got connections with people that seen UFOs close up and were able to identify that in this one particular case, the UFO was actually one of ours. Mm. So I know that we have the technology for UFOs. And we had it from at least the 70s, probably earlier. We managed to reverse engineer these. And if there's Stargates in there, we probably reverse engineered them too. I don't think on our own 
we could have ever figured out what to do. It would have had to have been a captured model from somewhere. And Bob Lazar talks about, yeah, yeah, there wasn't just one spaceship. There was like nine. And some of these were archaeological finds. So who knows what stuff they found like, like even in the movie, you know, like in G Egypt or whatever, they yeah. may have found the Stargate somewhere and, and reverse engineered it. And on that note, I, I would just like to remind people, uh, and, and people say this is a conspiracy theory, but I've talked to enough people that say they remembered this on the news that, uh, in the two, in 2003, that year I graduated high school. So put, think of a, I was 17 years old. I'm not paying attention to the news. All I know is that we're at war with Iraq and I was considering going into the military because I, I my feelings were hurt. You know, like I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I didn't because uh, I, I actually wound up losing a lot of friends uh, that did join. And uh, I'm thankful for those who served, uh, especially based off of the things that we know now as to how things happened and what, what we were doing over there. But um, on that note, uh, there was there's this has been claimed a lot of places and i was just talking to a friend of mine just last week who is probably about 5 or 6 years older than me and he remembers this on the news how uh archaeologists before we went into iraq on operation freedom or something like that uh they discovered supposedly the uh burial place the tomb of nimrod uh gilgamesh and that they recovered uh artifacts out of there and that the locals say that the first ones on the scene was not Tomb Raiders, but the military, the United States military, and they took things with them. Uh, and so what kind of technology did they discover in 2003 that we are now starting to see 20 years later rolled out uh, on, on mass stages? Is there a reason why they're talking about you know, UFOs and UFO technology and interdimensional beings? So that's what Because that's what David Grush is talking about. And I'm not totally convinced that David Grush is a 100% authentic whistleblower. He, he might be, but some of the things that he's saying really strikes me as maybe he was even psychologically nudged into that direction to be a whistleblower, even if he doesn't even realize it, but to say things that to me, because like, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't come out and say, these are beings from other realms. This, that, the way he says it, I'm not sure if he is even comfortable or willing to say certain things, but uh, I do wonder if it goes all the way back to things like that. And I'm sure the the whole Gilgamesh tomb raiders is not the first time we've done such things or governments of the world have. But uh, I wonder if that was one of those times that we had an ancient te technology that we discovered and extracted it to start using and reverse engineering. You see, that's, that's the problem. Our government not only is stealing the discoveries over here, crash spacecraft or whatever. But in other countries, they're doing, they just mow, mow over everybody in that country and say, we're coming in, we're taking this. And uh, when you make a discovery and it becomes known to a certain level of politician or, or government agency, they swoop right in there. You know, the, the only chance we'd have to ever get this kind of archaeological discoveries they have to keep it secret and then you know bring it into some museum and then make a big announcement but in the process of doing that you know our government's got people 
in the museums. They got people in the media. And they're going to intercept and take all the evidence. And so they're keeping us in the dark. So all we have left is rumor. And this guy or that guy who, you know, their story is unbelievable. You're going to believe that we found the UFO or Stargate in, in Iran, which I've heard that rumor. And I believe it's possible. Do I know for sure? Do do any of us know for sure? I could tell you the government sure isn't going to tell us. They're not telling us about anti-gravity technology. They're not telling us about ETs. They're just going to play dumb. And yeah, that's their latest strategy until they can no longer do that. Uh, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm convinced that they have made archaeological studies, uh, discoveries, and archaeologists have been mowed over and intimidated and corrupted along with mainstream scientists and virtually every branch <laughs> uh, of science. And um, it's mankind is mankind's worst enemy. We're keeping ourselves down by keeping all this secret. And it's very frustrating to me. But um, all I can do is work on what I'm working on and try to figure out a way to get it out there without being silenced as well. Man, well, I'll tell you what, anything that you want to drop on my show, you're always welcome to come and talk to me about it. And, you know, uh, we, we're we not the largest show in the world, but we are one of the largest shows in the world. <laughs> wow, super. Uh, you know, it's, um, I, I say that kiddingly, but, you know, we're, we're a good sized show. Uh, yeah. So. Listen, we, we're talking about a bunch of different stuff here, and I'm just typing things down, as you say, just to, so I don't forget certain things. Uh, but kind of backtracking to what you had brought up previously with the whole Stargate portal thing, uh, do, you've looked into it, and so I'm sure you've thought about this. If our government has this technology, which I, neither one of us will debate that, we're, we're both on the same page for that, Uh the one thing that I don't know, and the reason why I brought up CERN and matchingly accordingly, uh, here in East Tennessee, we have a CERN-like facility called Oak Ridge. Uh, they have a particle accelerator, all that stuff. So if CERN is not that, if it's not a, a, a Stargate, it's a particle accelerator, and uh, Oak Ridge here in East Tennessee is equally then not that, it's just a, a particle accelerator, where would you suggest then that these stargates and portals are possibly located then that they'd be using, like actively using? Um, I, I think that it's possible they could be stargates or somehow uh, configured to do that by using the superconducting magnets. That would be the entryway. Uh, what confounds me a bit is that they're so widely spaced apart i can't see how you know if they made the stargate worked it would be a, you know a huge opening and everybody would see that unless they could make it resonant to some certain small area that's a possibility they could do it where the magnetic waves are going in toward the center and meet at some certain point and and uh, form an opening. That's that's possible. I mean, that's highly speculative on my part. I freely admit that. Uh, 
but it's got to be something similar to what they did with the Philadelphia experiment, how they used uh, the large magnets in the hull of the ship and they oscillated them. And then that oscillation of the intense magnetic fields opened up a portal. So it would have to be the same kind of thing being done at CERN or any of the, they have these very powerful superconducting magnets. Maybe there's a way to configure them without moving them closer to creating a stargate. Hmm. You know, I, what about underground stuff? I mean, like, cause I mean, you have a better grasp on this. Like when I think stargate, I'm talking like, I'm thinking like uh, the movie stargate, you know, just physical, and what I, what I found interesting is how you suggested the idea that I think you said a Stargate could be basically tuned to do certain things. It could be time travel. It could be teleportation. It could be relocation into somewhere in this universe or another realm on one device, essentially. Uh, and so I, I found that very interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, we know that they have deep underground bases all over the place. Uh, I don't personally, from my uneducated opinion, I, I wouldn't see why they couldn't just hide it underground and do oh, it all yeah, there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're, wherever they are, they're underground. because, And they have to be shielded because if you don't, I'm sure that they're going to leave a signature that can be identified by other governments or whatever from outer space. Mm. Uh, even the magnetic resonant ones. I mean, I got a tri-field meteor. You could pick up UFOs flying thousands of feet over your head. Um, if they're still using a magnetic component, there's going to be that. If they're accelerating light, like I believe they are now, um, those beams have got to go somewhere, and they're going to be ultra-high frequency, and that can be detected. Uh, so I would think that they would use, put them underground, a lot of shielding. Otherwise, you might see something, ionization over the building or whatever, whenever these things crank up. So, yeah, um, it would not surprise me that they're deep underground wherever they are. Well, CERN, the tunnels are underground. They're not above ground. They're actually underground. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's absolutely a huge facility. Uh, yeah, it's big. I mean, I know that here in East Tennessee, the Oak Ridge facility is is very large, but it's it it doesn't pale in comparison to CERN. CERN is just on another level. Uh, I think if on top of my head, I believe it's seventeen miles in diameter underneath Switzerland and France. Hmm. I mean, that's that's yeah. gigantic. So uh, now they want to build a bigger one. Where I don't know where they're going to do it, but. You know, the only way they can keep making particles is up the energy. And so in order to do that, you got to make a bigger one. You know, mm. the ultimate size would be this ring around the equator. Uh, but uh, that would take the resources of the entire planet to build. I don't think that one will ever be built. But that's still, you can't, you're only getting so much more energy. They're very close to the speed of light slinging these things around now that increasing the size they're only going to get you know a little more they might discover a few more particles there because that's what they do um 
this so far Stargate is, I don't know if they have them in CERN or any of these places. It's pure speculation on my part. And I freely admit that, uh, it's fun to think about though. Oh, I, I love th- this is like my favorite topic on the show right now. I mean, I, when I first started the show seven years ago, I was like talking a lot of like Bigfoot and stuff. And now I'm just like, let's talk about interdimensional beings. If Bigfoot's that awesome, but let's talk about these portals and how do we get to the other side? Uh, it, it's, yeah. it's becoming, because it's becoming a reality to me that these things do exist, these portals. And I, I want to bring this up to you and I don't expect you to know what I'm talking about essentially because it's such a new thing. Uh, just last Tuesday, I released an episode where I flew a guy in from, uh, well, I don't want to say where he's from, but I flew a guy into my studio here to have a sit down conversation face to face because he, he, he's one of these tech guys and talks the tech language that I don't talk. And he, uh, he, in his hobby time, he likes tracking, uh, planes that have crashed, like trying to uh, see where they crashed and, and stuff. I don't know. Uh, and in that process, he came across the idea of trying to track the Malaysian airline flight that went missing, uh, MH370. And um, in that process, he and several other people that he's working with that, you know, he has some satellite experts that he's working with and different people that a team that he just formed and they're investigating two footages that they came across that they dug up off the internet from 2014. It's just been sitting there. Nobody's touched it. But these footages that, that they're coming out with, there's satellite footage, and then there's also a drone footage. But both theoretically are showing where is showing a plane flying through the sky. And then these three UFOs come circulating around the plane. And then there's a flash and the plane just disappears like it goes into a portal. Um, now, this is a show that I just released last week. The footage uh, I released on my Instagram last week. And it, it's the first time I ever had anything that I think I can call viral. Uh, last I checked, it had over 600,000 views. And I was just like, holy cow. Like, <laughs> I was like, I wish I wish me talking about a topic would be that interesting. But thank God that something I put, <laughs> put out is so interesting. Um, but uh, on that idea... Uh, you mentioned about the government having portals and different things like that. And, you know, you're just speculating. Well, we, we just came out with a show talking about essentially that. And we theorized that maybe this plane was teleported to a, a, a Diego Garcia military base. That's complete speculation on my part. Uh, he has theories and understandings as to why he believes that's a possibility. But uh, do you think on the surface level, that 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 we're at, and this is just you speculating. Do you think that the government and their capabilities and abilities are at a level and a point now where, if they are pursuing portals, stargates, which we have no reason to believe they wouldn't pursue it if they knew it was a possibility, do we think that they're at the point now where they could do such a thing, where actually teleport, transport a plane uh, in mid-flight? I think it's possible. It's it's just a question of what kind of technology is being used you know what kind of electromagnetic radiation is pulling off the opening of the stargate portal and so forth uh it's it's going to either be electro purely electromagnetic or magnetic in my opinion so you would if it were 
happening, you should see uh, a dimensional portal opening up. You should see either like a green mist or maybe even a rainbow effect around the area. And so if somebody reports they see a UFO and they see a green mist uh, as it when it first appears, that gets my attention because that's what the people in the Philadelphia experiment experienced. And uh, so, you know, there are certain clues. I try to remember these little details because they, they could help obtain more evidence and cooperation of some sort. So I would have expected if somebody witnessed that, that they would have seen some just before they popped out of existence or wherever they went to a rainbow effect, because, you know, the, the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, you're, you're messing with uh, the refraction index of space. You're messing with the permittivity and permeability. These are going to affect the way, you know, light is coming through and it's bending and you'll get refraction, reflection, all of these things happening in and around that area because of the strong fields. Mm. So if somebody claims that they just see somebody pop out and there's nothing like that around, I'm a little skeptical, but they say, yeah, there's a green, we saw the first a green mist or, or, or a rainbow effect. Then I, that piques my interest a lot more. Do I believe they have the technology? Probably because they've had access to all kinds of future technologies that they're just simply not going to tell us about. And I don't know how we're going to force that disclosure. I don't know. Something's going to have to happen at some major level before they finally start talking about this. Because they're really, the government and so forth and the military-industrial complex are really keeping the world at risk. We need to, this is very important, we need to be able to bilocate just in case something goes wrong here. We need somewhere else to be, and we need to be able to get there quickly, not in years or centuries. We need to be able to get there within minutes or hours. And um, Stargate technology could do that for us, and certainly what I'm working on, the faster-than-light space travel can do it. Um, But something's got to get done here. Uh, because we are, I believe we are in jeopardy. I believe there's a, as I was saying earlier, there's a problem in the Earth's core. Yeah. So could, uh, first of all, let me backtrack to this. One of the things that he said is that there was an eyewitness to the flight and she, she was blogging about it and he believes he, that she saw this plane disappear. He has since been in contact with her. She actually followed him on on uh, Twitter and they've been communicating. And I don't know the conclusions on everything, but one thing is that she claimed that what she saw, this was public that she was blogging about and she didn't want to talk about, it seemed like she was being reserved. But one thing she was saying publicly is that when she saw the plane, it was glowing orange. And so I don't know if that fits in with anything that you're talking about, but uh, it's just a little detail. Uh, but on the Stargate that you just mentioned, could it be possible? And this is, again, we're just thinking out loud. It's fun. Uh, 
could it be possible that Mars is that and Elon is maybe trying to do such things? It does does a does a Stargate need another Stargate to make the, the ends connect? And could there be something built then on Mars to shoot us there? I don't know. I don't think you need another end. I, I've already thought about that. Uh, the niftiness is that you're on the one end before you walk through it or pass through it. The other end is on the other side. So there's not, the Stargate is really in both places at the same time. And so you walk through it or you pass through it and you just instantly jump all that space in between or all that time in between and you you're on the other side you pop out sort of like a kind of the wormhole idea where you go in here and you go out there so i, I think the stargates uh uh it, it would be a, a real problem having to cart stargate endpoints around the universe to get to places because how do you get there in the first place to put the, the endpoint in I don't think it's necessary. There's just one. You go in the to one side and you come out in the other place in the other time. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a great working system. Uh, very efficient, very practical, very uh, application friendly. Yeah. It's what you need. That's just what you need. You don't need to build two of them like a teleportation machine like they did in the fly uh, you don't need to do that that's that's so just, 1900s yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's something we're living in a new day now uh yeah no i i get it i get it um this this is so fascinating i i wanted to talk to you so let, let me say that for the end actually so uh you mentioned about working on technology faster than light tech uh, that is something that I, I typed down. And if you could expound on a little bit, what does that even look like? Are we talking about, because you, you're a mathematician and you even mentioned about, I don't know how you phrase it, but I wrote down discovered math. <laughs> Was it like some kind of math equation or some kind of piece of math that you discovered? And does that play a role in the faster than light uh, technology that you're working on? And does that look like a physical thing or is this all theory mathematical at this point? This holiday season, Uncommon Goods should be your go-to destination. They specialize in curating an extraordinary array of unique gifts from around the world, making your holiday shopping a breeze. Whether it's for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods has you covered. As I just celebrated my 38th birthday last Monday, I decided to treat myself with a little something special to go with the gray hairs sprouting through my beard. Uh, Uncommon Goods surprised me with its extensive selection of apparel, and I was particularly amazed by the wide range of options available. I ended up getting a travel hoodie that ingeniously folds itself into a compact ball for easy transport. Regardless of the occasion or the recipient, Uncommon Goods boasts something unique for everyone. What's even more remarkable is that with each purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they contribute $1 to a nonprofit organization of your choice. 
To date, they've generously donated over $2.5 million. Shop at Uncommon Goods this holiday season and delight in their extraordinary selection while giving back to causes that matter. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash Tony. That's uncommongoods.com slash Tony for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. No, what I was talking about when I was at IBM, I was working with a co-op, a college student that was master's and I don't know if he was going for his master's or his doctorate degree in finite mathematics. Anyway, he had, he believed this formula existed that could be used using Boolean logic gates, AND gates, OR gates, NOR gates, so forth. You can construct it and you have the inputs go in and it would generate this list of numbers that would not repeat, uh, and, but it would cover the whole set for that dimension or that power of two. So each time the thing grows, it can make a bigger set of numbers. But then how do you configure the gates to make just that one where there's no cycling loops or anything like that in it? And so he was struggling with anything beyond the fourth dimension because each time you added, when I say dimension, power of two, modulo, two mathematics, power of two, you know, two times two is four, two times, you know, eight times eight is 64 or so forth. It's you know, it's expanding <laughs> quickly. So the amount of gates that you can configure in different configurations grows, you know, exponentially larger. And then it gets into the millions and the billions. But if you wanted to solve for that, it makes what I look like to me some sort of a neural net. And that could be used in artificial intelligence. Unfortunately, I lost track of the guy, but he came to me while I was working in the lab and asked me to, he just had a funny feeling. He said, I think you might be able to help me with this. So he had this little model he was looking at and he was looking at all the vertices and the points and the ends, and he was trying to see the next formula. And I looked at the four formulas, and of course, I had my own little theory going on. And I says, he's right, and I know how to solve this problem. I know what's going to happen in order to, to predict the next formula. The formula itself is going to form a geometric pattern. And once you know what the geometric pattern is, AND gate, NOR gate, you know, you look at them, the terms of the equation. You look at the equation, you see it's symmetrical. That's what I expected to see. And I looked at the three or four that he had, and I saw a little symmetry of pattern there. And I says, yeah, I think I can handle this. I'll take it home. I'll put a, write a little pro program to test it, because it needs to make the list. So I need to put in the, my gate configuration and then run it through and test it. And... Within an hour, I solved the next dimension. And him and his professor, I guess, have been working on it for months. And he was thinking of writing a program that could brute force figure out the next one. Uh, but the problem is the larger it gets, the longer it takes. And it goes from hours to days to weeks to months to years before you get to the next level. My system, you just look at it and you can see, well, it was one of this, one of those, two of these, one of those, two of these. The next one will be 
two of these, one of those, one of, you, you could just see it. And so I solved the next dimension within an hour. I solved the dimension after that, which should have been much more difficult in 15 minutes. I solved the next dimension after that in another 15 minutes. Is This is easy. All you got to do is look at this little pattern. This is how it's, the next set's going to look like. It's like a fractal growing outward. And I pointed that out to him. He says, now, you know, for any dimension, all you do is just keep going and rearranging this equation so that it's symmetrical and it's growing in this pattern. And I showed him the pattern so he could did it, do it. So I said, okay, that's fine and dandy. And he calls up his professor. He's all excited. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and this guy found it. He figured it out. It does work. It's, it, we can do this. And the professor said, well, you should congratulate him. This formula is not in any textbook. It's new math. It's a discovery. You know who discovers new math? Newton, Einstein. Maxwell. So now I, you know, I've kind of snuck into that club and I'm thinking, well, since I figured this one out so easily, maybe I could take a shot at the unified field theory. And so from 1993 on, it was always in the back of my head. And as I studied and I made notes, I was always trying to work out the problem, which is just another pattern recognition system. Life these problems are nothing but fancy SAT questions. You know, a, if you have a dot in a circle and then two dots in a circle and three dots in a circle, what's the next one going to be? Four dots in a circle. That's all these problems are. Unified the field theory is just an advanced SAT question. See the pattern, solve the problem. And so... A lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of reading and noticing the details. The pattern showed up. Then I started fitting the math to explain the pattern. That's incredible. That's incredible. So you snuck in the back door with those big names. <laughs> I couldn't sleep that night. I was so excited. I couldn't sleep. I says, Newton. Yeah. <laughs> Einstein. I mean, it's like... Wow, uh, you you should be you should have some kind of award or something. Whatever happened to that? Did, did, did the uh, I, professor? I, I can only remember his first name, Tom. I cannot remember his last name, and I've long since lost touch with him. But that that's a st discovery, and he wouldn't tell me the application. I kept asking, if you tell me the application, that'll make it easier for me to figure this out because I'm really good at understanding applications. So he, he was keeping it secret because he knew that thing was important. And he wanted that discovery for himself. Well, what was his first name again? Tom. Tom. We got to look for Toms out there that have been doing some discoveries. And we can come Finite in. mathematics. Uh, yeah. yeah we got I've tried looking. You know, I've tried. <laughs> we got to find this guy and make him pay the piper. You know, <laughs> he's a. Uh, if it were my guess, I would bet it would be this discovery would be with neural networks. Because if you have a way to build a neural network of any size and you have a formulation, boy, it's a snap to go from the formulation to the integrated circuit design i mean a snap so that you you suddenly have the circuit that does 
and generates this number. So now you can use that in artificial intelligence to, to help with decision making. It's going to go through a, a natural step-by-step process of every possible solution and so forth. There's a, a way from here to there. So that would be my guess where it would be. But yeah, I've lost track of that guy, unfortunately. Uh, we got to renew the search. I'm fascinated by it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, but, so how far are you along here in some of these research? So you retire, you're taking on all these projects, you know, just, you know, th- these are, this is the new thing you found to do with your hands kind of thing. How far along are you with, you know, making some groundbreaking stuff and, and talking about it publicly? Well, after I completed the book, I completed the the first step of the unified field theory. I, I found the source of the gravitational field, and I was able to generate the math that predicted the mass of the proton and the neutron. And uh, I've submitted that report. So that that's done. So I understand how gravity works. It's a contraction of space. And, and that all makes sense and that all fits in well. But now we were going working, we got to work with anti-gravity and to complete the unified field theory, because that's not in Einstein's original version, which was electromagnetism and gravity emerged as aspects of a single fundamental field. That's what I, I proved with the, those equations in that paper that the ether is the fundamental field. I don't know if you're familiar with the ether. It's, no. it's a name for space. Okay. Uh, it's this, the idea that people had before 1905, that the ether is a quasi-elastic solid. So space is a real thing. It's a quasi-elastic or quasi-rigid solid, which means quasi means if you apply a magnetic field to it, uh, the space will bend into the shape of the magnetic field. You remove it, it snaps back, quasi. Elastic means it can move in small deformations, bendings this way, bendings that way, around, inward, outward, uh, elastic. And then solid means continuous. This thing, whatever it is, this field has is not made up of parts. It's a, a solid, it's a continuous field. So it has a, a tension and a density. And so you got to work with, which I've been working with some math in that area. Uh, but I have to, what I'm working on now is two parts. The anti-gravity propulsion method and how to build something that can do that. Electrogravitic is what I'm concentrating on and making a discovery that Einstein was trying to do when he was working on a unified field theory, which no physicist dares to even speak aloud, which is this. I says, surely, you know, I'm thinking about this when I'm about to start this project. And it seems to me that particle motion, the cause has to be known because it explains everything. Like Einstein said, nothing happens unless something moves. That was a powerful statement that slipped by everybody's head, over their head, and they really didn't get it, but I got it. And so I started looking through his unified field theory papers, looking for this. 
I found it in Unified Field Theory of Gravitation and Electricity, July 25th, 1925. He comes out with a paper claiming he's got the solution, maybe. The last two sentences is what I was looking for, a confirmation that he was working on the same idea I had. Nevertheless, I'm still far away from claiming the physical validity of the equations I derived. The reason for that is that I did not succeed in deriving equations of motion for particles yet. That is incredibly important. That is the slip wave. That is the method. You have to look to nature in order to figure out how to fly. The Wright brothers did that. Look at the birds, the wings flapping. Leonardo da Vinci, the same thing. Study nature, learn how to fly. Study nature, learn how to break the light speed barrier. And in the case of this, if you want to learn how to really move fast, like a photon, figure out how the photon moves. So that's what I'm working on now. And I'm very, very, very close to finishing it. But I got to tell you, it's really hard. Hey, <laughs> you, you don't, you do not have to convince me that it's hard. What you just said to me is a mouthful. I'm just like, holy crap, he's working on something that I can't even begin to comprehend. Yeah, I know it's a wow. lot to unpack and I condensed it, but um, it's, it's vitally important because if you know how particles move, the method, it's because of their structure. The particular structure does something to space that creates a gradient that creates a, a an offset of space, a motion, and in this case, a circular motion. Uh, but fortunately, it's going in one end and out the other, and that's the trick. That's the trick. That, And if you look at magnet, magnetic fields, electrostatic fields, you notice one end of the arrows are moving in and the other end they're moving out. So dipole is the key to motion of particles. And I, I've got that worked out. And um, I've got the coupling equation uh, from from making it come from one force to another force. Because you got to talk in the language of the father himself who designed all of this. This is none of this is accidental. None of this is just random. It's a design. So, you know, if you're working on this, you're working on the design of the father in heaven. This is not just some random thing that physicists can just make up and, you know, abstract idea. Uh-uh. This is real. And you're figuring, you're using math to speak the language of physical reality. It's going to model that. So I'm modeling the motion of particles, and I'm really close. I'm just one tuning parameter away. And when I find out what that tuning parameter represents, I can determine, uh, use an equation to generate it. And then I have... The cause for photon motion, electron motion, quark motion, and all these things moving create light, create matter, create chemistry, create, you know, everything that we see and observe happens from particles in motion and the forces that they create and are made of. It's an inner, it's, it's really all about particles moving through space and interacting with space 
quantum mechanics is about particles interacting with other particles, smashing them together and get something. That's not the bottom level. That's up here. I'm down here at the foundation. These guys are putting their ladder on the wrong building, trying to climb up to get to the top. They're not even on the right building. They'll never solve the problem using string theory and quantum mechanics. Einstein was right. They're incomplete. Classical field theory is the way to go. I'm actually using, for the most part, Newton's equations and and uh, some other guys, Gauss and these other guys. They had, again, there's a pattern there that I've spotted on certain equations. And I'm saying, hey, that'll work here. And I'm bolting them into the program. One by one, they talk to each other. This one does this calculation, passes it to the next one. The next one does that calculation, converts to force. The force then is expressed in velocity. There's a way to get through this thing, and I'm that close to getting it. So hopefully, they won't interrupt this as they've done in some of my other broadcasts where I go to watch it a few weeks later and all of a sudden there's a dead spot when I start talking about anti-gravity. <laughs> uh, uh, well, listen, I hope not, but I won't say it's keep impossible. Keep an eye on the original. Keep an eye on the original because time and time, at least three times, my anti-gravity speech gets interrupted by something. Well, I'll tell you it what. blanks out. What we'll do is we'll save we'll save the file. So if it happens, we can re-upload it and be stubborn. And we can also take the it, the blanked out part then and put it on like other platforms like Rumble and X. See how they do over there. But uh, let's yeah. listen. My final question to you. This has been fascinating, and I definitely at some point here would love to have you back on for because I I feel like you, we just tapped one essence of conversation today. Uh, what I would love to do is bring you back on, but my final question is a book on the bookshelf by pulling it off or the button underneath your desk, which one is the entrance to your evil laboratory? <laughs> like with the, the, the mad scientist laboratory that I know you have downstairs in your basement somewhere. How do you get in there through the bookcase or the button underneath your desk? Because <laughs> I'm what you're saying. Actually, it's, uh, actually, it's in the garage. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> just the t- it, it, so you went with the ordinary look of just like, oh, just look the other way. There's nothing special here. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just right out in the open. Okay. I, I mean, listen, I do have a lock on the door, though. I hope so. Maybe, maybe uh, get a Simply Safe camera or something going. Because uh, listen, what you said today, I, I'm like this guy. Uh, I, I didn't expect to be talking to somebody who's about to, you know. Do something incredible because that's what I feel like right now. I feel like you're about you're on the cusp of discovering something that's just. I'm really, really close. I don't know how it's going to all turn out. I'm told told they keep I keep getting messages. You know, there's a whole other paranormal thing going on with me as well. It keeps me in the game because I'm thinking, how could you, you're just a guy from nowhere? How could you have figured all this out? You know, and I keep trying to talk myself out of it. Uh, but, uh, weird things keep going in my favor and <laughs> it's hard to explain. And these little tiny messages, like I keep, you know, in fortune cookies and stuff actually makes sense. I got one look just the other day, you know, I'm, I will, I woke up, I woke up sobbing the other day at night 
because I was crying because what I was working on was so hard. It was just, you know, in the dream, I was just sobbing. My wife woke me up and said, what's wrong? I said, well, the thing I'm working on is really hard. and It's got me upset. And so I get this thing. It says, it's a fortune cookie. Your silent efforts are about to be rewarded. What are the odds of me getting that one? Wow. It's and these really strange, bizarre stuff here. I guess the whole point of this is for everyone who's watching. This isn't just happening for me because everybody has a purpose. You were sent here in this life, in this avatar to achieve and to gain experience and knowledge. And you have your own team working for you to help you. They're just trying to help me not give up and quit because heroes can often fail. They can, it happens all the time in life. Um, it's really important that I finish this work and, and get this done to my satisfaction. And hopefully somehow, uh, it's acknowledged as correct, and we could start taking action and building starships. But um, it's an adventure, and we're all on this adventure. Just know that you're not alone in this life. There's people, guardian angels, guardian spirits, spirit guides helping you, and they're and they're helping me. And this is just a little piece of evidence of that, in my opinion. When you become aware of this. The, your life pattern, it starts to look like a giant chess game. And you can see the pieces moving by themselves around you. This one here, and then you can see, oh, that just went in my favor. That's very odd how that happened. There's another thing I could tell you. I'm not going to talk about it because I want a confirmation from the other side. So at some point, if I speak to another medium, I can't even ask them the question. I can send it mentally and then see if they say, that was us. I want that confirmation, uh, that that evidence, that proof. Then I could talk about that weird thing that happened. Again, chess pieces are being moved. Uh, You know, there's an old saying, distant hands in foreign lands are turning hidden wheels, causing things that come about that no one seems to feel all invisible from where we stand, yet the connections come to pass, all too hard to comprehend, they affect us nonetheless. That's what's happening. That's what's happening to me right now, and it's also happening to you. Hmm. Your lives are important. What you're doing is important. You have volunteered to come here, just like me. (laughs) We all did. Solve problems. I've got a weird problem I'm working on. I'll admit it. It's obscure. It's strange, but it's as real as everybody else's situation here. So that's my last closing words for the good folks out there. There's there's something special going on. And and today I shared with you a little bit of my, my situation, my circumstance as it is. Be happy to come back on the show. We could talk about anything you want to talk about some more i enjoy this This is fun you know it's hard to get these kind of philosophical conversations going in ordinary you know with your neighbor or something yeah usually they're not interested (laughs) i I find all this stuff interesting my biggest thing is 
entering into a conversation with somebody that I don't know that I know is probably way smarter than me. And hopefully they don't, don't be like, okay, five minutes and we got to end this interview because you're too stupid to talk to. So <laughs> I appreciate you hanging in there. I've for- seen, I've <laughs> seen physicists do that too. I, I believe it. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm here just admitting to everybody. Hey, listen, I'm not that smart. I've seen fin- <laughs> Richard Feynman do it. Uh, it doesn't yeah, surprise me. Well, the problem was he couldn't really answer the question. So he blamed that he couldn't answer the question on the interview and said, you just don't have the knowledge and smarts to, for me to explain this to you. No, what you don't have is the actual answer. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> well, uh, if that would have happened to me, I would have probably stopped interviewing for at least a month just to collect myself. <laughs> so uh, I'm a very well, fragile it would be person. Pointless for me. Yeah, it would be <laughs> pointless for me to do that. You, you don't want to offend or hurt. There's no need for that. Sure. It's about getting information out there and, and helping people to figure things out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Mark Fiorentino, uh, author of Master of Reality. You can check out his website, super dash relatively relativity.com the links will be in the bio for this podcast episode mark i appreciate you so much coming on talking oh you're welcome i enjoyed it it was a good time good time awesome Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. That's the best thing you can do to help the show grow is to share the show. And don't forget, we have two films out, Exposition Dogman and The Shape of Shadows. If you want to watch either one of those films, go to Merkel.media. That's Merkel.media, no.com, just .media. And go ahead and check it out right there on the website. I know you guys will enjoy it. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember... The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Things look a little different when I look at the heavens. Glow from the brush strokes leave a different impression. Behind the holy water, all I'm seeing is devils. Used to stop at the sixes, now I push to the sevens. This is my confession. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The lights around me beckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lost in my reflection. No, no, no. Trying to go away at I don't know if I'm caught up in the lights on the mesa They're so bright Makes me think about life In the desert that's swallowing me whole I'm just trying to cruise on a trail But I know that my skill Is written in a way That won't make it easy for me, I know People look at me, they look for something they can define I just never knew a box I couldn't decline I never thought of being one of a kind I just spent my time elevating my mind This is my confession, whoa, whoa, whoa The lights around me beckon, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm Lost in my reflection, no, no, no I ain't trying to go away I don't know if I'm caught up in the lights on the mesa They're so bright Makes me think about life In the desert that's swallowing me whole I'm just trying to cruise on a trail But I know that my skill Is written in a way That won't make it easy for me I 
set us free I don't know if I'm caught up in the lights on the Mesa They're so bright Cruise on a trail But I know 